Hey everyone, Michaela here. Today I begin our series on burnout in the workplace, and you will meet a longtime friend of mine and senior manager in the private sector, Jermaine Sharp. We discuss our own stories of burnout, why we are tempted to think that burnout equals success, the toll it has taken, and what employers need to know. On the next episode, you will hear from educators and business leaders during an in-depth roundtable discussion on burnout and how to protect yourself. Enjoy! been up to uh honestly just work and been a, doing a bit of traveling i mean well before covid hit yeah um i mean <laughs> I'm, Same. I'm, a, I'm a responsible adult now <laughs> i have a mortgage <laughs> and a yard oh, congratulations yeah and yeah all the rest of that nice stuff that we Always said we would never do when we were younger. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. I think I'm finally I'm finally settled in. So Are you still teaching? That's good. So yeah, I'm I'm in the classroom this year. Last year and this year, I was a principal for the last eight years. I remember that. And no, it just that's it's it's why it's why we're doing this podcast right now. <laughs> so the principal um, life was not for you. Not, I mean, the principal role is for me, but the principal life that, uh, it wasn't, I mean, it, it killed me. So I loved the kids. I loved, you know, working with teachers and stuff, but it was, uh, a lot of the external, you know, pressures and things like that, or people that don't know how to manage you. Just, just everything was always just good. Um, soccer, you know, friends. Holly, everything was great. And then um, I hit 31 and uh, everything was still great. I became an assistant principal. I was loving life. I felt good. Um, I was busy. I was getting my doctorate. I was teaching courses at the college, playing soccer five times a week. Like it was busy, but like a good busy. Um, and then in January of 2013, the city of Providence um, told me they were going to move me to become a principal. So on a Tuesday, wow. they told me that, and I tried to decline. They threatened to, um, they, th they threatened to take my job and move me somewhere else anyway. So, uh, and they said, you know, you can't say no, essentially. And they, and by Friday, I was at this new building, um, and I was, it was rough. So, um, you know, but I refused to fail. So I did everything that I could to, you know, to, to be, to make it successful for the people there. It was really a toxic environment. It was, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Um, but in that week I became the victim of harassment from somebody at the school as well. Uh, yeah, it was, it's so bizarre. Um, but he started writing like anonymous letters about me. I didn't, I mean, I had been there like days, so it wasn't like personal. Um, it was just like a tactic this person used on supervisors but I guess he had done it to other people in the school before they started to come forward to me when it happened to me and that endured for like three and a half years so um I was trying to it got worse and worse and worse because he was trying to get me out of the job but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that I wouldn't I wouldn't leave um because you know I wasn't going to give into that um so because of that he just kept it kept getting worse and worse and worse and I kept asking for 
help, any kind of help I could get from anywhere. Just help me out, protect me, like, you know, help me. I know who it is. I have evidence, you know, can we just, can we do something about this? Because it's, I'm running the school, but it's making it really hard for me to, to stay. And I ended up on antidepressants and just, I mean, it was, I ended up at the hospital. They thought I was having a heart attack. It was just a pretty low point. Um, but they, the, they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't look into it, investigate it or anything like that. So finally in 2016, I had to make the decision to leave, um, because I was, it was, it was rough. It was bad. Um, and so I left and I went to my hometown of East Greenwich and I was assistant principal. They had needed like mm -hmm. a person for one year, which was good for me because, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, uh, I expected all those things to just, and then never mind the demands of the job too. Um, I thought all of that would just go away and be back to Michaela before all that happened. And that's just not how it worked is what I learned. Um, and then I was asked to, uh, apply for a job at a charter school. Um, and it was great. Like the, the mission, everything they wanted to hire me to do was, was seemed like it was right in line with what I'm good at. So I, um, interviewed, I got the job and I did that for, three years, but I realized that I couldn't, um, A, like what had happened to me in the first role of principal, like I, I carry so much of that more than I knew with me. Um, and also, uh, it, there's a lot of, it's tough in education. Like my dad died, um, and it was a sudden, so I, I was down by his side and I had to worry about like my evaluation score, which I didn't worry about, but I, I got a low evaluation score because I missed a pretty crucial part of a school year. Um, and so I dropped the ball on some stuff, but I was never not going to be by my dad's side as he was dying. You know, he was in Florida. So things like that kind of made me say like, okay, well, I mean, I'm not sorry. I don't feel, I'm not, I don't feel like less of a principal because I couldn't do these three tasks because I was down with my dad. Like, I'm a daughter. That was my dad. There was, right. I'd make that decision again, 10 times over. Um, but it burst the bubble for me big time. on like what, what it was, what it was possible to feel like as you were doing a job that requires everything of you, that it was never going to be, it was never going to be a support as supportive as it needs to be. Um, and a lot of those types of things were happening still for those three years. And I said, okay, I think it's time to stop waking up every morning and, praying that this is the job I want to do for the rest of my life because it's, it's kind of killing me. Um, I gained like 70 pounds. It was just crazy. Um, and so my dad, as he was dying, actually had said to me kind of like his last wish was that I would reevaluate, you know, he watched me go through it for so long and just prioritize like my health and family. Um, yeah, I never had kids cause I was just working nonstop and I, I couldn't even have a, like a, I couldn't even think about stuff like that. So um, I did. I sat back and I, real, I realized a lot of things. I stepped away and I went back to where I was passionate, which was in the classroom with kids. So I did that for the past but year. But I'm going um, to save you from all that. And just I want to turn it over to you because when you posted that post, I said, I know Jermaine. Jermaine's been working mm -hmm. his butt off for 25 years that I've known him. Um, and of course, like, you know, social media, it always seems like happy and you know, things seem great and I know things are great, but then that post spoke to me because that, that's, that's something that I say to myself all the time. And it took me a long time to learn that lesson. Um, and I, I was like, I have to reach out to him. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, 
one thing I, I all right, so like I've I've always worked. Like I've mm -hmm. I've been working since I got out of high school. And I was and my mom instilled like a certain amount of like a passion for it. Like we don't she mm -hmm. don't beg for anything, don't ask for anything, you work for what you want. So that's kind of like been the mentality that all of our siblings grew up with. And you know, it wasn't nothing but like when my first job out of college when I came back home and I was working at a for a government department, I remember once I decided I was going to complete these particular tasks they gave me. I had to revamp this entire part of the of the department, and I remember I distinctly remember I said I was going to work late that night. My mom called me and asked me where I was, and I didn't even think about it. And when I looked at the clock, it was like four a.m. Wow! I literally worked like solid right through the night, and I just told her give me like another thirty minutes. And again, I lost track of time, and people came wow. back to work the next day, and I was still there in the same clothes, just going. But I think what the I think my burnout story is when I, I worked for Exxon Mobil for like seven years, and in here in Cayman, it's a smaller division of company, so you wear several hats. So I was the marketing analyst. I was the I was in charge of the commercial industrial customers. Um, my co, the lady who was my counterpart, who handled all the retail, she left. So I had to take over all the retail stations as well. And then I was also the country manager standing in front of my boss left. So mm -hmm. it got intense. And then for the year 2012, I traveled 258 wow. days wow. that year. And that's me like, Flying out of Cayman, going to Miami, then flying down to Barbados, to Peru, to Colombia, to Puerto Rico, to Barbados, to Dominican Republic, up to New York, coming back down to Texas. It was like I, I would fly on Monday, touch down on Friday, wash my clothes, wow. pack my bags, back on the plane on Sunday. It, it was like I, <laughs> I got to Rubenstein on wow. some American Airlines in six months. It was, it was just, it was just crazy. It got to the point that the, the TSA officers in Miami started to recognize That's a big airport. <laughs> and it actually took a, it, it is, and it took a, it actually took a toll on my personal life as well. Like, couldn't see my friends. I was in a relationship at the time. It got, it, this relationship got strained because I was never around. Um, it was, it was just a lot. And then, well, I remember once I, I went to speak to my boss at the time and I was like, you know, I'm getting paid a salary mm -hmm. of one person. I'm doing three people's jobs. Like, I'm getting 15 days vacation for a senior manager. I'm a director of the company. Like, what, what am I going to get out of What am I getting out of this? And his response was, be lucky you have a job. And I was like, seriously? That, that's... So at that point, I was like, you know what? They're milking me for everything they can, and I'm not taking it anymore. It got to a point where I was like, I, was, I, I didn't feel valued. There was this demand, like, I remember once he called me at 3 a.m. in the morning because he forgot to ask me for a report, and he needed it at 7 a.m. And I literally had to get out of bed, go to the office, run the report, do the analysis, and send it to him. So it's like, it's just draining. And... Mm -hmm. It started to affect me physically. 
like my physical health started to go. I was playing football at the time. I was going to the gym, but I, I wasn't sleeping properly. I, I got to the point I was running on two, three hours sleep. I was just mm -hmm. always thinking about work all the time, and it was just mentally draining. I started getting arguments. My temper got short. So it was, a, it was just a lot. And I, and the companies I work for keep talking about work-life balance, but they talk about right. it, but they don't practice it. And then it's almost like, oh, yes, we want you to know, we want you to have time with your friends and your families and take care of yourself, but I'm going to book 17 meetings in the next two I, days, but you have to get all your work done anyway, because here are the three projects that you need to do. Like I, 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 I could tell you of days that I've spent oh. literally on seven hour conference calls, but they still expect and, me to do all my relax. regular day-to-day -day <laughs> work. And I was like, and relax. Mm -hmm. And then you're supposed to get home and find time to eat. Like by, by the time you finish some of those things, you That's get home. That's what I was doing. You just want to order pizza. You can't, you, you can't cook. You, like Stuff like that. Like you just order food and you sit down, you watch TV, try to unplug and then these days now, with the advantage of social media, you're always constantly plugged in. And it's a constant thing. And I'm in marketing, so I have to monitor my social media for the company. I have to mm -hmm. keep my pulse on what's going on. And it's you're just always, literally always on. Like, I mean, I walk with two phones at yep. all times. This is my daily thing. It, it's, it's a lot. And a lot of people don't appreciate it because they don't they don't understand the dynamics mm -hmm. of some people in certain positions. And like and it depends also on the structure of the company for me. And recently I just got a new boss mm -hmm. and he is uh, he's Colombian, but he's very he's not a micromanager. He's a guy he listens to you. He talks to you in a way that makes you feel appreciated and valued. And he asks our opinion on certain things. So in this past year, he's, he's implemented different things. Like he's given oh, wow. all staff their birthday off. Oh. It, it doesn't come out of your birth. It doesn't come out of your vacation. Mm -hmm. So if your birthday is whatever day it falls on, you get it off. If it falls on a oh, Saturday, you get the Friday off. If it falls on a Sunday, you get the Monday off. So that's just like an additional benefit. Um, a couple of years ago when I started working with this company, I, I use my marketing budget and I give mm -hmm. all the staff to, I, I take the staff out twice a year just for and staff, yeah. shut down, take a work and just shut down and they appreciate it. We've done it a couple of times where they invite their families, we've done it a couple of times with the staff by themselves, like usually do the family one right before the kids go back to school for the fall semester. So, I mean, little things like that, unplug, unwind, one of my bosses told me once, good people don't quit the company, but for they quit their bosses. And if your boss is, a, is one of those people who just like work, 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 24-7, be on call, it, it will drive a person away. So and that's my burnout story. So that sounds like um, the new, just a couple of things like listening and not microman micromanaging. Is that something that drives you crazy? Because it drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. It. It, yeah. If you want, I, I've, I've quit jobs before for that. Yeah, I, I, the, here's my thing. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. I don't need mm -hmm. you to ask me if I cross everything, dot every I. Like, 
Tell me what I need to do, what you want, what you like me to do. Give me a time frame yeah. and tell me what the end result you're looking for and let me do my job. I don't need you to call me every five minutes and give me give you an update every single day of where I am. That doesn't that's mm -hmm. not that's not needed. It's not required. And yeah. Quite frankly, it's insulting. I've always like you worked um and I worked hard. Uh and but I always saw the value in it, right? Like I always did things that were really aligned with what I love to do. So when I first started out teaching, I was coaching soccer. Um, I was always doing pickup games with kids like over the summer to get them, you know, just to get them out of the house and playing and, you know, having a safe place to do that. And I, th that was, that was fuel for me too. I felt great doing it. Um, and then, so I, I never had experienced, mm -hmm. I experienced mild burnout of my own doing right over committing myself, but I was never burnt out because of, uh, a job or job expectations until, um, I became principal. So even when I was assistant principal and I had a lot of responsibility, my boss made me feel valued and needed. Um, he took care, like he took care of us or me. He would say, you're not coming to this event tonight. You're staying home because you've come to, you know, too many things and it's somebody else is going to step up and do that. So he's one of the very few that would ever actually do that. Right. And have that in mind. Um, but I'm wondering, because it seems like, and I, I can't remember if your post had this quote or this saying with it, but I've seen it a lot. Um, and it's, burnout isn't a badge of honor. And so, and that, it, it was a colleague of mine, like it isn't, three it years really ago, actually, actually, it was somebody I was supervising, <laughs> sent that to me. Um, because the place we worked was, uh, as the last place I was principal, like high performing, um, so high results and high expectations, which is fine, um, but also everybody was burning out. Um, and so I had he had sent that to me. It was an article, and that was essentially what it said. And I had never read that before, or heard that. And um, ironically, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever met, and he's the one that's at school to, not because I asked him to. <laughs> Um, but because he would just, that's just his, his personality. And I used to have to tell him not to do things too. Um, but I, I thought about it. I said, why do people wear it as a badge of honor? Why do you think, why is that our, why, why do we do that? Why do people do that? I, I think society has made burnout a badge of honor because it encompasses or supports the, to project this, this air of accomplishment. Like you have worked so hard at this and look at you, you can hardly move now. That means you put your heart, this is 110% you put into this. And clearly you've worked hard and you should feel proud of yourself. And I, and I think, I don't know whether, I don't know how that has become ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. May, for example, we both play sports. And we obviously give 110% on the field. And I think that has translated into the work world, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not the same. Like when you, when you play a team sport, you're playing for an end result, mm -hmm. which is the win. Or even if you play individual sports, tennis, whatever, you train, you practice for a particular end goal. And that feel of personal accomplishment is something that you either share with your teammates or yourself mm -hmm. into a single sport. I think that's been bastardized 
in a way in the workplace now people take if you listen to when you go to certain work meetings they talk about the team you're part of the team and you have to work to make the team better they're almost taking what's been ingrained in us as competitors on the field and using that to mm. push you for the betterment of the workplace i understand it i understand what they're trying to do the execution is where the problem is if you have it's like having a bad coach versus a really good coach if you have a coach that's just constantly berating you and talking down to you and cursing at you it could be it could either motivate you to do really good or it could make you draw back and i think that may be some part of the problem as well because if you have a really good coach that draws the best out of you and you want to work for them you want to play harder for them then you'll get a completely different result more information but i started to look at like forbes and i was on linkedin and you had some access to different articles and i felt like all of them were screaming uh burnout's bad <laughs> you know um and and beyond this work-life balance um it was like that's not good enough just to say work-life balance because if we're not doing things to make sure there's work-life balance that phrase doesn't mean anything and i have been saying that i've been saying that to myself especially when my when my dad got sick i was it like doesn't. why would they tell me i should be with my dad because I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go at first. The first diagnosis I was, we had, and like there were really important things going on. And I've always chosen work over love, life, and family. <laughs> I just have always been that way. Um, so, you know, they said, go, you need, you need to go. But I don't know that they realized that I wasn't just going to go once and find out that my dad had, you know, only weeks to live and then come back and then what, get back to work? <laughs> I mean... You know, when I saw him for a couple of days, came back, I was on the stage for graduation and that morning we got in at 3 a.m. I was there, you know, to give this, you know, giving the speech and running graduation the next day. And then a couple of weeks later, I flew down again um, for a couple of days and I came back and I was working the whole time I was down there. Um, and then when he took a turn and it was imminent, I... I just, I left work and drove to the airport with nothing and got, I booked a ticket and flew and got to his bedside and I stayed with him for the seven days until he, until he died. Um, and, but afterwards I needed, I mean, that was, that was tough. My brother flew, my brother drove down, um, and we just supported each other and stayed by his side for those days. And then we needed a couple of days down there to get things together and we drove back. But that experience was was so tough that we need a little bit of time to I mean, recover and have the services and um, kind of felt I didn't feel guilty, but I was kind of being made to feel guilty, if that makes sense. I thought to myself, I thought, I thought self-care, family, work life, yep. I thought this was all supposed to be important, but I'm not feeling that right now. I'm feeling, I'm not feeling that anybody's making it important. Uh, like my, supervisors I, I th it, and that's the thing I, I, mm -hmm. with me I've, I've found that people have key performance indicators KPIs right I, I, all jobs have these and those particular gatekeepers they 
they they say the company line, which is work life balance, and we're here to support you and take the time you need. But once it starts to affect them directly, everything else becomes inconsequential. They 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 the the they don't feel they have no empathy after that. They, they, like, what would you do if you were in this position? Would you tell me I have to come back to work? And I don't think they would. And I think people in power, people in power positions of power and people in positions of authority sometimes forget mm -hmm. that they are like us. We're all human. There are things that are going to take priority in life. And the job is always going to be there. Like, one thing is <laughs> very funny. My mom <laughs> said, like, <laughs> don't kill yourself yeah. to work because if you die tomorrow they will replace you in a heartbeat and you do, you think you laugh and you think about it and then you go you know what mm -hmm. I've seen where clients have died for this company that you've worked for and the company will send them flowers to the funeral and the next day is business as usual they still want their check. They still want you to place your order. They still want you to just, they want everything to continue to function. And if you're, and then if anything yeah. falls off of that straight and narrow path, it can be an issue. And, and, and I think therein lies a majority of the problem. The KPIs of the company does not line up correctly or at all in most instances with work-life balance, which leads to burnout. And burnout is a true and honest to God thing that a lot of people yeah. don't even realize. They, people, a lot of people really I think I'm just for, a hard for years. worker. My, and they I was don't realize that they're sacrificing for, uh, a lot. A couple of years when um, uh, maybe like six months after the harassment started, I was really, and it was hard. So I started to see um, therapists who I'd known for a long time. And, you know, that summer she said to me, have you ever considered leaving and i mean i looked at her like she had 10 heads i was like leave why would i leave i'm good at this because i was we were getting results and things were going i mean things were going well by all by lots of metrics i guess you could say so i was like but, but i'm good at this and she's like and she asked me a question she said you may be good at the job but is the job good for you and it took me two years to answer that question or to believe it or even want to believe that it was true that I had that I could possibly have to walk away because the job wasn't good for me and I remember when I went and told her I was had made the decision to leave I said to her do you just want to do you just want to yell at me right now because you told me this two years ago she said and she said Michaela I could never make you do anything you're so hard-headed I just asked the question and let you just think about it you know for as long as you needed to um but once that clicked two years later, when I said, after I had been in the hospital, you know, hooked up to machines because I thought I was having a heart attack and I wasn't sleeping and I was on medications I had never, ever had to take before. Um, it was then when I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, what, why, why am I doing this? Um, and that's when it clicked. And now that it clicked, I can't see it any other way, even though I've been in other, uh, other experiences that have, you know, maybe... I've had to leave. I leave them, though. I know it's time to not be part of this or 
nope, this is a bad thing for me. But I couldn't even, when she asked me that question, I said, what, is she crazy? I'm good at this. I work hard. Why would I ever leave this? Way down the road. Just in preparation for this, um, I was like, let me just, let me Google this again, because I had read some articles, um, you know, maybe about a year ago. And I remember just reading, just reading articles here and there and going, huh, I wonder why this is in Harvard Business Review or Forbes. Um, and I'm not seeing it like implemented in any meaningful way in any place that I have worked or know of. Everybody else must be reading the same articles. But then now, as I have really, um, I've been diving deeper into it, there's a lot of literature mm -hmm. that says, A, it's bad for the bottom line when people become burnt out, but also B, um, people are starting to ask the question, is it the employee's responsibility to maintain the work-life balance or does the company bear more responsibility than they've kind of been held to to make sure their employees don't burn out? I think it's twofold. Um, it, I could definitely see where the company will suffer. If a, if a person has burnout and they have to be hospitalized or they quit, they walk off the job. Now that's training time and that's more money you have to spend bringing another person up to speed or up to the same standard of the person who left the company. If you don't have one readily available, I understand that part. I think self-awareness, though, is key. If you don't recognize in yourself that you need a break, that you need time off, that you you have to just like take a me day, sometimes it can be detrimental. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I mean, think about some of your coworkers in your life that you know who have never taken a sick day. They know they were sick, but they can't be the one person who don't come in because it's going to affect how somebody right. else's job works. And they look at that as being a team player. But are you taking care of yourself? And therein, and that can be part of the problem. I mean, I'm guilty of that. Yep, I've done same. it before. Like, I've, 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 I've had pneumonia and still went to work. So it's, hap it's happened before. Um, so self-awareness is key for that particular part. So yes, self-awareness self and being responsible for yourself is very key. And at the same time, I think the company should do certain things to ensure that the their staff is taken care of like